All right, welcome to New Morning Invest on this Monday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, or as some people call it, Valentine's Day, which I, I, don't, I don't know why people do that. Um, uh, coming up on today's show, War Watch. Literally, we could be 48 hours away from war. Boris Johnson, UK's prime minister, is doing a big tour right now trying to get people to stop moving towards war. He's doing his best. The United States also having phone calls with U Ukraine. Doesn't look like it's done any good at all. And we could be less than 48 hours away from an invasion, according to U.S. intelligence sources. So we'll go into this. We'll unpack the very latest um, that's all eyes on what's happening with Russia this morning. And if you've noticed something very interesting over the past few days, the mainstream media has been focusing on how America is a crime-ridden hellhole. That's what the mainstream media is trying to portray. They're trying to say that people are, are breaking into stores and they're stealing meat and they're breaking into pharmacies and it's just a crime haven right now. But we're actually going to look at the truth behind this BS narrative and kind of dive into the real truth on all of this. You can't believe the mainstream media. And what a bombshell story this Hillary Clinton story is. Holy smokes, on Friday you know, buried in a Friday news dump at the end of the day so that no liberal media would cover it, and they sure didn't. Why was Hillary Clinton and the Hillary cam uh, campaign spying on the Trump campaign? Oh, yes, we've got more details on this crazy story this morning. It's Morning Invest starts right now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome into Morning Invest on this Monday. Um, if you're joining us on the audio version of the show or you're tuning in later for the recap, Natalie is not here. My wife, uh, my co-host, she has been with my nine-year-old daughter, Ava, in the hospital since uh, Friday. Um, and I haven't been able to stay at the hospital. Uh, I've been having to bring duffel bags full of overnight <laughs> gear and stuff. She has pneumonia, my nine-year-old. And so good news, though, she's being dispatched today, but it's been quite a crazy uh, weekend uh, in the Morris household. So my wife doing a, an amazing job staying uh, by our daughter's side while I have to watch through FaceTime video. Isn't that how it gets, though, for dads? You know, it's kind of how it ends up going, right? Yeah. I mean, typically. Now, did, did she, is she kind of once mom or is she more of a daddy's girl? Uh, yeah, she wants mom, but uh, yeah. I think it's because she she can boss she can boss my mom uh, boss Natalie around a lot because you know, <laughs> Natalie be like she's bossing me nonstop and I'm like see when Daddy's there like I'm you know I put the smack down a little bit but so <laughs> she knows she can boss her around a little bit so but uh, of course you know mother's touch and 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 uh, and all of that but I offered I said I, you know let's switch off but with COVID they don't let you switch you know and the whole thing so I'm only able to go to the hospital and deliver goods. <laughs> goods and then I'm watching the other two kids at home and so anyway 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 so we will uh, hopefully she will be back here at the end of the show I'm hoping because uh, hopefully they're, they're being discharged from the hospital so uh, if you're wondering why I'm, I'm solo today that's the thing so David David uh, my co-host this morning uh, producer David <laughs> in the booth uh, good is morning be here gotta get that camera flipped on today too because we need to see your yeah, I mug. have I have the button ready today. We need to see your mug. Here we are. All right. Hello. Um, let's do our top story this morning. And uh, this will be an empty box here. But let's look at War Watch. So uh, there's been a last di ditch bid for peace. Uh, and that's what's unfolding right now uh, by Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson is in the trying at the last minute right now, the UK prime minister, trying to avert a war in Ukraine within the next 48 hours is said to be crucial. Um, the prime minister is, I don't know if he's going to have any better luck than what President Biden was able to do with a phone call with, uh, with the Ukrainian uh, President Zelensky, but he is apparently on a whistle stop tour right now of Europe as the world is bracing for this imminent Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now, intelligence suggests this morning that Vladimir Putin's troops are planning to cross the border at any moment, okay? Possibly as soon as Wednesday, according to U.S. intelligence and Western intelligence. So what are we to believe? You know, I, I, this on this show, we're cynical, right? Cynical by nature, you know, like naughty by nature. I think we're cynical by nature. When like uh, people in authority tell us certain things, I, I question it. Putin, at the end of the day, what does he want? He does not want a stronger NATO, he does not want Ukraine to become part of NATO. Absolutely not. And he's put his troops there on the border. But according to the Kremlin this morning, they do not want to invade. 
Russia is saying we are not planning on invading the Ukraine. But if you listen to the United States and you listen to uh, you listen to intelligence sources in the United States all weekend, they were certainly beating this drum. It's likely to begin with a significant barrage of missiles uh, and bomb attacks. So that it's going to be very rapid. It's going to be rapid and it's going to start with initial barrage of bomb attacks and then the invasion will unfold. 130,000 troops right now on the border of Ukraine. Well, you know, There's when a- when the, the, that State Department guy with that reporter, when they were arguing back and forth and he said, well, they're going to have a propaganda film with crisis actors and all this other stuff. My, because I know our U.S. military and our CIA, my first thought was, OK, we're going to make a war- propaganda film. That's why those guys are over there. Like, it's like we've had press. We've had people over there. We're, we're poking a bear like we're the ones that are over there where we shouldn't be in worrying about something that is none of our business. So it, it w- shouldn't matter even if he was going to attack. Why or do we think we're the only ones that have that freedom? Well, and they've doubled down on that, that whole, you know, Russia is going to make a movie that's going to look like Ukrainians are attacking the Russians and they're provoked and therefore they needed to invade the Ukraine, right? This is what you're talking about last week was Ken Price, of course, the State Department spokesperson being grilled by that AP reporter saying, I just don't believe you. <laughs> like you've been... You've been yeah, there's no evidence. crap on us for years. There's no evidence. Where is your evidence? You you know, you got us into the war in Iraq over weapons of mass destruction. We've had repeated on um, uh, Syria and Yemen. I mean, the list is endless, right? How many times you've lied to us and we've sat here as the press and just are supposed to go along with you hook, line and sinker, right? We're I mean, if you want to go back, it. go back to the Bay of Pigs. They, they lied us into right. Vietnam. That was every war that has started this way has been a lie. It's been predicated on a lie. Right. So what, now we're going to believe you. We're just going to believe you because you're telling us that this is what's going to happen. But they doubled down on it over the weekend. Nancy Pelosi was also asked about this. Jake Tapper pushing her on this. Uh, George Stephanopoulos, excuse me, uh, pushing her on this question. You know, are we are we about to invade? Are we about to go help them? Are we about to send thousands of troops? What's about to happen? Here's what she said. Hype. Are, do you believe that Putin is poised to invade? Well, I think we have to be prepared for it, and uh, and that is what the president says. Yes, I do believe that he is prepared for an invasion. I also understand why the president of Ukraine wants to keep people calm and and uh, that he wants his economy not to suffer. But on the other hand, if we were not threatening the uh, uh, the sanctions and the rest, it would guarantee that Putin would invade. Let's hope that the diplomacy works. So what is diplomacy in this situation? Well, President Biden made a phone call, an urgent phone call with Zelensky, who is, of course, the uh, president of Ukraine. They spoke by phone. They spoke for about an hour last night. And President Biden says that the U.S. would respond swiftly and decisively. What does that mean to any potential Russian military action? The president reaffirmed the commitment of the United States to Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity and made clear that the United States would respond swiftly and decisively together with its allies and partners to any further Russian aggression against Ukraine. And then something really weird happened yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw this, but a spokes, a, an ambassador for the Ukraine to England made a comment to the BBC saying that the Ukraine was we're ready to pull back. We don't really care about joining NATO after all. What? First of all, he's not authorized to say this. Now, apparently, there's been a backlash and he's had to walk this back. But this made headlines everywhere. Oh, so, oh, Ukraine. Oh, they're backing down. They don't They don't want to be a part of NATO after all. Okay, good, good. Then we won't go to war. This is all good. What? No. First of all, they don't have, he doesn't have the authority to say that. So if you actually understand this situation, it's in their constitution. It's in the Ukrainian constitution that they, A, want to become a member of the European Union, and B, they want to become a member of NATO. Both of those things are written into the Ukrainian constitution. If that wasn't the case, if suddenly they aren't interested in joining NATO, then they'd have to, the government would collapse, okay? The government would have to dissolve, and they'd have to write a new constitution. So now they were having to walk this back. It was a really bizarre statement um, that he said because... There is no situation in which they don't want to join NATO. They do not want to move further east towards Russia. Ukraine wants to move further west towards NATO. And that, of course, is what Vladimir Putin doesn't want, which is a, um, 
a Western-facing Ukraine right now joining NATO. So at the end of the day, right now, what kind of compromise are we going to see? I mean, the Ukraine joining NATO, the U.S. insists it must be allowed to do so. There, and the United States is doubling down on its, hey, you're going to be a sovereign country. Putin, though, I watched a whole speech with Putin the other day, and I don't know why this didn't get more coverage. Because even Putin himself was saying, put this out there to the media. Share this with your, your media, your print, your reporters. Share this. What I'm telling you is that we will not allow for a larger Western aggression to mount, uh, mount itself at our doorstep. We're just not going to. And well, I mean, we wouldn't. An <laughs> exactly. So this is what Putin is saying. And people are, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they're just not, I don't know if they're listening or I don't know if they're just ignoring that part. I of think it. it's, I think they're intentionally ignoring because it, it changes the narrative. It changes their agenda. Their agenda is and has been for, you know, since the Bay of Pigs with Kennedy to have a war with Russia. They are so thirsty for a war with Russia for some reason. And the military, well, for some reason, right? What do you, I, let me throw this out to the chat room for some reason. What is that reason? Of course, it's money, right? It's always right. money. It's always money and money. oil. Right. We're, we're, we are set to see hundred dollar per barrel oil if this crisis continues. Right. It's oil and money. That's all it is. It's all it is. And we talk about like territorial sovereignty. Really, all we're doing is protecting business interests. That's what really what it is. Right. Well, and a lot of people um, don't even like Yemen. Yemen, a lot of people don't realize is over an oil pipeline. Mm -hmm. um, what's the what's the guy the, that's in power there? I, um, uh, it, it, the, the Tulsi Gabbard was a was a apologist for. Oh, Assad? Assad, that she was like a, alleged, like called that or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. he doesn't want a pipeline going through there, and that's what this is all about, an oil pipeline. Right. An oil pipeline going, you know, you look at the Nord Stream 2, of course, well, you're talking about Yemen, but of course, you know, and, you know, an In oil Syria, pipeline I, I running through, yeah, running through into Germany. So this is all about oil. This is all about money. And Russia says they don't give a rat's ass, quite honestly, about sanctions. <laughs> the Russia's ambassador in Sweden called NATO's expansion the biggest threat to Moscow and says, excuse my language, but we don't give a blank about sanctions. Viktor uh, Tardinrasov said to on Stockholm, he said in Stockholm, he said the U.S., Britain, the EU all have threatened to impose these new sanctions on Russia if it invades Ukraine. Moscow, meanwhile, has denied any plans to attack its neighbor. But he says, look, we don't care. We don't care about uh, sanctions. We're we're strong. We're a we're a strong country, and we don't care. So bring on your sanctions, then, if if we invade. Uh, well, we'll see here. I mean, Russia suggests there's a way to resolve the Ukrainian crisis, which is to uh, make sure that you know NATO is not a uh, NATO uh, NATO is not a member. Excuse me, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. Um, they said a recorded refusal by Ukraine, a confirmed rejection of the idea of Ukraine joining NATO is a step that would be would contribute significantly to the formulation of a more meaningful response to Russian concerns. That according to the president of a uh, spokesperson for Vladimir Putin. So that's what they want. They don't want them to join NATO. And we could see an invasion within the next 48 hours. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it seems to me, though, that. Washington is absolutely excited about it. The military industrial complex is absolutely excited about it. The more money that they can uh, get for government contracts in order to go to war is absolutely uh, top notch for them. They want to have a new boogeyman. Now that we're not involved in Afghanistan, we need a constant way to be pumping money into Ukraine. We're going to have troops in Ukraine. Thousands of troops of Amer American troops are already there, already more being ready and dispatched. Same is true with the, with uh, with the UK, and same is true with with England, wanting to put more troops and resources, billions of dollars flowing into Ukraine, all in an effort to prop ourselves up against the, the Russian bear. Um, so we'll see. I guess if you know, here's the thing, right? Forty eight hours. That's what we're hearing. Within the next forty eight hours, we could be at war. So I guess we'll, well know pretty darn soon, right? And you know, this is just this is like the schoolyard bully, right? Mm -hmm. We have been the schoolyard bully since 1954 like we have taken out democracy or, or replaced dictators with people that we like we've been doing this and the thing is that at some point we're going to be the bully to the wrong kid and we're going to get punched in the face and i don't understand how we can just constantly think that we are just ultra like we're just the superior power superior country when when look at how things are falling apart here like it's com right. like during this pandemic, it completely fell apart. There's people still struggling. There's so many things we could take care of here at home, yet we're worried about Russia.
It drives uh, me or, insane. Yeah, we're worried about Russia. We're going to talk, in fact, in just a moment here, more about Russia. Um, we're going to talk about it in terms of Hillary Clinton and why. Uh, in fact, we may go there next. I may just go to, go to that story next um, and the whole Russia-Trump revelation here just over the weekend. Maybe we'll go to that one next. Um, but Russia, 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 that's the main focus, and that's what they want you to believe. Uh, we'll get there in a second. I want to first tell you about our friends over at ShipStation. Our friends at ShipStation Online Shopping isn't slowing down anytime soon. Is your business ready to keep up the pace? Well, with ShipStation, you never have to worry about shipping again. Make the switch to a solution that handles all of your shipping needs quickly, affordably, and painlessly. ShipStation is already trusted by over 1,000 e-commerce sellers. I mean, 100,000, sorry, 100,000 e-commerce sellers. And keep track of orders from any sales channel. Easily find the best shipping carrier with deeply discounted rates. Automate just about any shipping task with just a few clicks. So very, very easy to do. Very, and it's super customizable too. Manage every order, whether it's Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or your own website from anywhere. You can even do it on your phone. They make it super simple. No more headaches from dealing with returns and return tracking and all of that. ShipStation makes it super easy. Save money when you compare carrier options and choose the best shipping solution every time. ShipStation works with every carrier, so you can always find the best fit for your needs. Now, here's the thing. You can ship more in less time with ShipStation. Use my offer code INVEST to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and then type in the word INVEST. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Our thanks to them. All right, should we do the Hillary story? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do let's, the Hillary story. That's a good let's, let's do the Hillary. We're going to go, we'll get back to this other story here in just a second. But I, because we're talking Russia, let's talk about Hillary Clinton. And we had a bombshell story over the weekend. Now, it happened on a Friday night, which is no surprise to me that when, you know, no doubt was dumped there. When you have a news story that's dumped there on Friday night n- that no one would cover, right? They'd hope that the liberal media wouldn't cover it at all. Because that's what they do. They fall right in line. And liberal media largely ignored the story. Totally. This story is massive, and it shows a concerted effort by Democrats to create a BS narrative in 2016 that President Trump, or then-candidate Trump, was connected to the Russians. Uh, According to a filing from the special counsel, John Durham, on Friday... This is amazing, guys. This is amazing. I mean, again, this comes on Friday afternoon when everyone was like focused on their weekend and, and you know, getting ready for the Super Bowl. So according to a filing from the special counsel, John Durham, on Friday, Clinton tried to fabricate connections between Trump's 2016 presidential, presidential campaign and Russia, according to these reports, which was accused of meddling in the election. Okay. The filings revealed how the Clinton campaign hired a technology company, a technology firm to, quote, infiltrate and allegedly hack servers that were at Trump Tower and later at the White House. (laughs) I mean, folks, think about that for a second. This is amazing. I mean, this is as large, if not larger than Watergate. If you think about it in terms of gravity, right? When When told about this, President Trump released a statement on Sunday about this, says, quote, what Hillary Clinton and the radical left Democrats did with respect to spying on a president of the United States, even while in office, is a far bigger crime than Watergate, Trump said in a statement. And the former director of national intelligence, John Radcliffe, who was out on the sun, uh, was was uh, was on TV this weekend as well. He was speaking with Trey Gowdy about this. Um, He met with special counsel John Durham on more than one occasion and told him there was evidence in the intelligence to support the indictments of, quote, multiple people. You imagine multiple people in the Hillary Clinton campaign who were involved in this, who hired a technology firm to, to break into servers at Trump Tower. You know, what's funny is, isn't it amazing that this was exactly the stuff that Hillary Clinton and the Democrats accused the Trump campaign of doing. Turns out that, well, weird that the shoe's on the other foot, right? Well, didn't they blow more? But didn't they blame Russia on the DNC leaks, the email leaks, yeah. where she was talking about Sanders and all the the money raising stuff? Like that oh, was yeah. all blamed on Russia. Yeah, that's all Russia. 
That's all Russia too. So they are. There are multiple incidents, uh, multiple indictments of multiple people in this investigation could be coming to the origins of this Trump Russia probe, according to Fox News. Now the sources pointed to one key piece of declassified intelligence, which Fox News first reported on it back in October 2020. They revealed that the intelligence community officials within the CIA forwarded an investigative referral on Hillary Clinton purportedly approving a plan concerning U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump and Russian hackers hampering U.S. elections as a means of distracting the public from her use of a private email server in Chappaqua. So this was in the intelligence reports that Hillary Clinton, then a candidate, there were concerns about her using or making up a story about Trump in order to distract from her having used private email servers at Chappaqua. Just let that sink in for a second. Asked about it this weekend. And remember that James Comey comment back about uh, back about these, these FISA warrants? Was there any problem with these FISA warrants? Listen to, you know, James Comey, who, uh, you know, Patsy James Comey, who had this to say uh, about this. Here's John Radcliffe answering this, but they set it up with this James Comey clip over the weekend. Thank you. I want to begin by taking a look back. Uh, Jim Comey back in 2018. Uh, listen to this and we'll get your thoughts on the other side. I have total confidence that the FISA process was followed and that the entire case was handled in a thoughtful, responsible way by DOJ and the FBI. I think the notion that FISA was abused here is nonsense. Nonsense, huh? Really? Nonsense. I think you were one of the Republicans on the other side of that wall asking him questions. So let, let me first ask you, do you expect more indictments from the Durham probe? I think the, the intelligence that I've seen would uh, reflect uh, that there would be additional actions taken by John Durham. Um, you know, I, that clip that you played there, clip, uh, uh, Trey, I, I remember it well. You and I did uh, ask a lot of questions because we were convinced that there was FISA abuse. Um, and we were unfortunately right. And Jim Comey had to walk that back. And we saw the lawyer that uh, created those false applications plead guilty this week. And it's for that same reason that when I became DNI and I saw more intelligence, um, I became more convinced that uh, there were more incidents like that as it related to the 2016 campaign. Without betraying any confidence, as I can tell you, I sat in a room uh, last July with John Durham and with Attorney General Barr, and we looked at intelligence and we all uh, unanimously agreed that there was a problem there with respect to the FBI, that there wasn't a proper predicate to begin, much less continue, a counterintelligence investigation uh, against the Trump campaign. So I'd be surprised if this reporting is accurate, that there aren't going to be additional indictments. I would expect that. I think the intelligence uh, that I've seen reflects that. Um, uh, and I uh, certainly think that, uh, you know, once the investigation runs its course, um, that that's what will take place. Amazing. Multiple indictments. So this other shoe is about to drop, folks. And it's amazing that you can't find it in the liberal media. I'm not just not even covering the story. But, I mean, you know, this... the th the... Go ahead. I was going to say the thing is that we've we've seen in the past that not only do you have banks that are too big to fail, <clears throat> you've got people who are too big to indict. They're not mm -hmm. going to nobody's going to pay for this. Like, do they ever like they'll tell me the last time somebody paid for this kind of stuff? Well, it, it, no, it's going to be low Nixon. level lackey. It's going to be low level <laughs> lackeys. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and you bring up a good point about Nixon. Right. So there's been some comparisons and I, I brought it up and I compared it to Watergate. I mean, think about this for a second. Right. You have a sitting president of the United States worried about the Democratic operatives of the Democratic campaign. They break into the Watergate Hotel. I mean, think about it. Right. By all accounts, they were spying on the Democratic campaign. Right. By all accounts, you know, pretty crappy, uh, pretty terrible operation. Two bumbling fools breaking in the Watergate Hotel leads up, you know, the president of the United States. He resigns, of course, in disgrace, does Richard Nixon. Here you have a campaign to uh, set up and break into Trump Tower servers, according to these reports. And then also while at still at the White House using, I mean, who knows, a technology firm to infiltrate the sitting government of the United States? We would... 
I mean, if this was Russia, we would be up in arms. We would be calling out Vladimir Putin for invading our, our sovereignty, right? This is traitorous behavior, treacherous behavior. But you bring up Watergate, you bring up Nixon, and the Washington Post, of course, Woodward and Bernstein, the reporters who were tireless and did an amazing job going after the leads and following every thread to find out and ended up bringing down a president, right? Where's the Washington Post this morning on this story? Where? <laughs> right? Where's the story? Where's the Washington Post? Oh, they, they got coverage of the Super Bowl, though, right? Got coverage of the Super Bowl and Dr. Dre and the halftime show and the Olympics, right? Nothing. 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 Unbelievable. This is your media. This is United States media. And this is how the liberal media does it. And I will say, you know, even up in, like in Canada, I was hearing from uh, hearing from some uh, families of different truckers up there saying, thank you for Morning Invest for you guys covering the story of the Canadian truckers because the media here has been incredibly slanted. We can't even get very, very little coverage of it. It's totally slanted to the other side. You know, it's very pro-Trudeau. We don't get any coverage on the other side. They're trying to paint these truckers as white supremacists and and they're all racist and and. In fact, the reporting, the 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 um, the evidence is completely to that contrary. There's been no violence. They've been many of these truckers have even brought their families with them to camp out in their trucks with them. Uh, they've been peaceful. They're not white supremacists. They want freedom, right? But this is the way the mainstream billionaire media runs things. This is the corporate media, and this is a sad state of affairs that we have to deal with this in the United States. That this is. This is where most people get their news, and they're not going to even hear about this. And they're going to say that this is some conspiracy theory. This is going to be some Alex Jones conspiracy theory. No, you're hearing from the former director of national intelligence saying that there could be multiple indictments as it relates to the Hillary Clinton campaign spying on President Trump. And go back through history and look at every single time we we who have talked about this stuff or, or people who have talked about this stuff are labeled conspiracy theorists, nut jobs. And mm -hmm. then it turns out to be true, and that's never redacted. This has happened no. over and over and over again with so many issues that at first it's conspiracy theory, and then it's like the 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 official narrative is was the conspiracy theory. Well, I love that. I heard what was it a few weeks ago? I think I mentioned it here. Someone in our chat said uh, that um, conspiracy theories are simply spoiler alerts. Yeah, if you think about that for a second, just like let that sink in, right? So many things that we've heard throughout this pandemic, these quote unquote conspiracy theories, you know, they've all come true or they've all been proven true when the when that other narrative has collapsed. Right. And so spoiler alert, like, hey, don't tell me that because that's going to come true. You know, it's like ruining a movie for somebody. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see more of this. I mean, Hillary Clinton purportedly approving a plan that she signed off on this to distract the public from her email scandal. Instead, go and manufacture some connection with Trump and Russia. Put and break into his servers in Trump Tower and while in the White House to undermine candidate Trump. And you wonder why Americans are so, you know, so so leery of, uh, of corporate politicians and the oligarchy. This is exactly why, you know? This is exactly why. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this story. Drop me a comment about it below. We've got more news to get to. I want to talk about this story. Set this up here a little bit better here. To listen to the mainstream media, you would think that America is turning into a lawless, crime-ridden place where people are stealing food from stores, breaking into pharmacies at all hours of the day, right? America is just a crime hellhole. If you listen to the mainstream media... That's what you would be hearing. In fact, last week, corporate media, uh, CNN, MSNBC, MSNBC devoted a ton of time to this, where they melted down over this video. I don't know if you saw this video that was being uh, shared by the, by the New York Post of a man allegedly stealing packages of meat. Did you guys see this? If you guys missed this, here's this man, right? The New York Post got this video. He's leaving a Trader Joe's. I know where that Trader Joe's is. I used to live right near there in Manhattan. So he's leaving and he he has a whole thing of meat in his hand and he's leaving, right? And apparently, like this is indicative of the crime that is now sweeping the nation. It was no surprise then that Fox News, 
went jumped all over this, right? So that's the thing with this show, right? On the one hand, like I can I can point out that Fox News did some great reporting on the Hillary Clinton story, and then I can jump all over them and MSNBC for exploiting this video from the New York Post. Um, and you know, hey, the millionaires on MSNBC who went on a whole tirade about this and talking about how this is indicative of further evidence of a surge in lawlessness across the city in big cities, particularly petty thefts from retailers, right? There's, I don't know if you saw this, at Reverend Al Sharpton was on this MSNBC panel and he was saying, I can't even go to a pharmacy because it's so bad now. They've got all the all the, the things I need. They're all locked up behind a thing. You need to ask somebody with a key to come unlock it because people are stealing it left and right. There's not that much is, evidence at all, actually, to justify well, there, this. That, that is true in San Francisco. That is happening big time. That that there are there are companies even uh, you know talking about pulling out of those areas because the they have basically made anything under I think it's a thousand dollars. The police don't even do anything to. So there has been a mass uh, amount of people taking things from you know CV, CVSs and stuff like that to where they're having to lock things down. I don't know if it's the same case in New York, but I know that it's gotten completely out of control in San Francisco. Well, there's this sort of great, Atlantic did a great piece about this, the great shoplifting freakout and why it's so hard to figure out if America's enormous surge in theft is real. Uh, And they point out that, no, in fact, it's not. More stores are open now than they were before because during the pandemic they were closed. So this really isn't a spike at all in the number of thefts. Uh, and it's being blown out of proportion. But the mainstream media wants you to think that it's absolutely, you know, a huge problem. Like video man stealing 10 steaks from a New York City Trader Joe's. And then MSNBC says that America is collapsing in crime and we need more police. We need more police. We need more policing. And that's the problem that we, well, you know, President Biden, you need to step up. You need to hire more cops. That's the problem. Not well, that San America Francisco, is hungry. Not that America is hungry and actually needs food. How about that as the narrative? So they caught up with this man, by the way. Turns out he's homeless. Okay, this guy's homeless. And he explains, he's like, I just, uh, I, I'm just trying to eat. So he said, not that what he did was justified. I'm not saying at all that this was justified. But what is this? What is the problem here? It's not that he's, you know, it's not that he's taking this so he can go sell this someplace. It's that he's homeless. And he doesn't have anything to eat. So why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk more about that in the United States rather than, you know, rather than we need to increase the number of police officers on the street? Like that's the problem. Well, and that and that's the thing, like in San Francisco, they've decriminalized it up to a certain like up to a thousand dollars or whatever. So the police can't even do anything anyway. So, I mean, I, this, I've seen a lot more examples of this than, you know, there was, well, I don't know what that comedian is in New York. Um, the guy that, uh, was in, um, uh, several movies. He's the, the blonde guy. He's really into basketball. I, I know if you saw him, you'd know who I'm talking about, oh, but he was, you, uh, Rappaport. Yeah. Yeah. So like he was Rappaport? in a store and he was made a video of a guy that was doing the same thing, just loading up a bag and taking groceries out. And, and, and if you look at San Francisco, I mean, it really is running rampant. It is it is out of control, you know, so much so that they're they're trying to figure out what they can do. And like I said, they decriminalized it. So I think it is happening more than than we think it is. Um, but is it as widespread? I don't know. But the thing is, like, it's not just people that are needing food in San Francisco. They're going in and stealing uh, hair products and, and uh, you know, just whatever they can get their hands on. Well, according to the Atlantic piece, the incidents, these stories are using to illustrate are exactly what you're using to illustrate here, which is our, this in San Francisco. And he says, these incidents, these stories used to illustrate the problem are genuine mayhem. At a Bay Area Nordstrom, police say as many as 80 thieves executed a coordinated attack on the store. At another Nordstrom, this one in Southern California, thieves were caught on video assaulting workers with bear spray. At a Louis Vuitton boutique in Illinois, more than a dozen robbers overwhelmed sales clerks and made off with $120,000 in loot. Before dawn on a November day in New York City, thieves used a hammer to smash their way into a closed uh, boutique uh, and left with $80,000 in designer clothes. But wait, are we still talking about shoplifting? Uh, and as the piece points out, no, we're not. Recent news stories described a shoplifting surge, but this narrative conflates an array of varying, very different offenses in a single crime wave said to be cresting right now all over the country in a frenzy of naked avarice and shocking violence. 
Smash and grabs are awful, but they're pretty rare and almost and already very much felonies. Nevertheless, a handful of viral videos and some troubling statistics from retailers and industry groups have sent Americans on edge during the year's most economically essential shopping season, wondering if the mall where they buy their Christmas presents might be next. The deeper you search for real objective evidence of an accelerating retail crime wave, the more difficult it is to be sure that you know anything at all. So that's what I want to do. I want to caution all of you. Like when you see these anecdotal reports on on TV or what we're just talking about here with these sort of smash and grabs in San Francisco and other places, that where are these industry groups leaning? They're leaning towards more policing, right? That's what they're leaning towards. And the mainstream media and the and the millionaires over at MSNBC are exactly falling for this this bait hook, line, and sinker. So to listen to Joe, I was trying to get the sound button, I couldn't. To get to to get uh, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, who each are you know making like eight eight million dollars per year, and they're up for their in the contract negotiations. Like we need the police, we need more police on the streets because I want to feel safe. My you know I'm, I'm a millionaire and I need to feel safe. Okay, but can we look at the actual problem right now with America's food insecurity? And the people in the United States that are hungry, we are seeing a we are seeing a huge class disparity in the United States, and the haves and the have-nots. And we are, we see real food insecurity in the United States. We see families that are going hungry. Okay, and that's being underreported because these millionaire broadcast networks, these billionaire broadcast networks, want to focus on these viral videos, and they want to say that it's 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 all down to policing. Well, and, and it's down but, but to, to be fair. To be fair, in Portland, Oregon, for instance, you've got, I think they're down to like 700 and some odd cops now for the whole city of Portland. Um, and so you're having a lot of murders and stuff now. You're having uh, a lot more theft. Like there was somebody that was just murdered uh, this weekend that had that was wearing a, a, a Trump something and, and they just like murdered the person. And that the crime rates are up so high because they do not have enough police in Portland um, to, to deal with it because the Portland police don't want to stay because they're, you know, all of this stuff is happening. The crime is up. And I, and so I believe, yeah, maybe I do believe the media conflates stuff. And I do believe there is food insecurity in this country. I mean, we, the, the, the bills that they're, that they're passing where they're talking about, oh, we're taking care of like 40% of, of, of hungry kids or whatever. You know, I don't think there should be a hungry person in a, in a rich country like this, but I do believe that there is more to this story than they even know, because like you, you don't have to watch much news here in Portland to see that, that it is a policing issue here. But, but see, I think they're using that as an excuse. I mean, because this, you know, what, what all these millionaires on television are ignoring is that these, you have, you have homelessness, you have rampant homelessness, right? People being pushed out of, they, they don't have no place to live now. They can't go to homeless shelters because those are overrun. America's affordable housing crisis right now. We don't have enough homes, so they have no place to live. And we have food insecurity because they can't afford the food with rampant inflation and, and more, right? And more problems as a result of that. So they can't, they, they have no stimulus, no money to help families, affordable housing crisis in the United States, people on the streets. And I think what's happening is the story of this sort of, you know, that's at the heart of all of these viral videos, this massive move of misery or whatever, reports of people stealing meat and sodas, like suddenly people are like resorting to desperate measures. It's not because of lax law enforcement. Like someone stealing meat is not because there's a lack of cops. That's what's no, missing. No, but this. I think you know what I mean. Yeah, I I agree, and I, and I have no problem with people taking food if they need food. But but the problem is that's like the Louis Vuittons and stuff. It's it, I think the two are getting kind of in in the well, way of each I think other what because the Atlantic, I think that's what the Atlantic piece is pointing out is that they're getting being confl that's exactly what the Atlantic piece says is they're conflating these two. Like someone breaks into a Nordstrom, steals eighty thousand dollars worth of stuff, that happens. That happens anyway, not just because of this situation, and it's happening, uh, and it's totally separate from someone who's homeless or can't afford to eat and has no food in the United States. I agree, States. but the reason that people are are willing to go break in and take these things now is because of the lack of policing in these areas. So San Francisco, like I said, they've they've really made lax policing laws where the police are their hands are tied in so many situations, and that does lead to those people like, oh, we can just go grab these bags now. We can go into CVS and grab. All this this stuff that's not edible, you know, they're not doing it because they're hungry. They're doing it because, you know, they can probably sell that stuff or whatever. So it, it I think it's a combination. But uh, the food thing, I think, is if it's a homeless person and it's food, 
that is completely different. And 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 I don't want to see those two grouped together. But when we're talking about the the other theft, I believe that it is a police issue because the the presence is so low that they're just like, well, we can go do this. And like I think they had like. 30 cars or something had pulled up to the the mall and they all ran in and got those bags. Apple has had mass, um, you know, people coming in and grabbing phones. Best buys are having to lock their phones down because people just there was somebody in. uh, um, I can't remember where I was. I was doing a studio build somewhere and somebody drove their car into the front of a Best Buy and went in and grabbed all of their their phones and stuff and then drove out. So it's like it it does happen a lot. and, And I don't know, like if everywhere it's because of policing. But I know that, you know, if these the some of these these cities like San Francisco that are making lax laws uh, to where it's like a thousand dollars before it's even a crime, I don't see how you're not going to have that stuff happen. Recent U.S. Census survey shows that food scarcity has increased 73 percent in the New York metro area. Now, is that since the pandemic? No, since last spring. Yeah, since last spring. Seventy three percent since last spring. With more than 15% of people in the region saying that sometimes or often they don't have enough food to eat. This number but is we just, 65%. But we just put how much? 750-some billion into war? Yeah. And oh, we, we, can do and that. we couldn't take a couple billion for food? And, and I just, you know, I come back to this. What I just get bothered. I'm just bothered by the way that the media portrays this, right? So they're, you know, Joe Scarborough's laughing about it. He's like, please, sir, can I have some more? Where are the police? We got to get the police on the streets. He's making $8 million a year, right? So he's concerned as a, as a New York millionaire about, about these stakes being stolen and it's a police issue. When No, in fact, it's a, it's a food scarcity. It's a, sorry, food insecurity issue is at the heart of it. I, I guess what I'm trying to do is unpack this a little bit further. I know it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a dense subject here, uh, but I think David Sirota over at uh, the Daily Poster did it, did it some justice and his team, he says... Data shows that these crimes are in fact on the rise, but they are still taking place at lower levels than before the start of the COVID pandemic. So in reality, we're seeing a surge in thefts over 2020 numbers. That's everything was closed in 2020. So you're, conf- you know, when you look at the numbers, they're actually, uh, yes, it's going anywhere. Everything is going to be different than 2020, right? So more state stores are open. Fewer people are shut in at home. Uh, but that doesn't mean an unusually high number of thefts are actually taking place, he says. He says, but some journalists would rather go with their gut than rely on cold, hard facts. And that's what we try to do here on the show is to bring you facts on these. So when you see these news, you know, when you see these news articles, when you see your, you know, your Fox News, your MSNBC showing this guy stealing stakes and talking about how it's because of a lack of policing, understand the difference to what David's talking about, right? Smash and grab Louis Vuitton stores is different than someone who has food insecurity. You cannot lump, lump them all together. And that's what the United States is dealing with right now. Or, you know, I said a recent U.S. Census survey shows that food scarcity has increased 73% in New York. With more well, than and, 15% and, of people in the region saying they're sometimes or cannot eat. They have no food to eat. That's up well, 65%. That's, that's- the sad thing is, too, like when we when we gave all the stimulus and everything out during the pandemic, which we should have done a lot more. But those people, a lot of the people that are that are still in this food insecurity, they didn't get anything. Those are the people that we, we when we always talk about the people who need it the most don't get it. Those are the people who got no help during the pandemic. And then there are people that lost their job at no fault of their own during the pandemic. So we've had an increase in people that need food. So right. and, and then you've got, the, you know, a lot of places that were closed down and everything. So it makes sense that you would see that when you see nothing like you cannot lock down. Like we said at the very beginning, you cannot lock down an economy and not help them through it. Every other country helped their citizens through this pandemic. We did nothing and especially nothing for the people who needed it the most. Well, you know, and you're, you bring up a great point. And it's so much easier as the media to make a headline to scare you. Right. It's so much easier for the media to put on coming up tonight at six o'clock, you know, coming up tonight at six o'clock on your evening news, you know, America's crime wave. You know, is it safe to leave your house? You know, News 4 investigates, you know, or could you imagine them leading their show? And they would never do this with like America is hungry because their corporate overlords wouldn't allow it. It's much sexier for the corporate overlords that run these big media companies to push for more policing to push for more funding for the police state. Absolutely more of their concern. But for them to lead their broadcasts with, Americans don't have enough food to eat. Americans are hungry. America, uh, Americans are homeless because they can't afford housing. 
they're not going to lead with those stories because it doesn't fit that corporate narrative. Joe, you know, Joe Scarborough, like some journalists would rather go with that narrative instead of unpacking this and talking about the real story here, which is that people are starving. People are, uh, you can't afford health care in the United States. And it's a freaking mess. Um, well, that's why so I, I get so pissed off when I hear them say, you know, when you hear the Democrats say, this bill is going to help, you know, decrease uh, child hunger or child poverty by 40%. It's like they're bragging about that. Like, like the other 60% is fine. It's like the right. same thing with hunger. We could end hunger with what we spend on one day of war in this country, not worldwide. But it's like we don't do it. And, and, we, and then we sit there and brag that we've decreased it by 40% or 30%. Like that's some big thing. I mean, you think about similarly, roughly 36% of people in the New York metro area say it's been somewhat or very difficult paying for usual household expenses lately. Let me know in the chat. All of you watching right now, has it been more difficult for you to buy basic household expenses right now? Let me know in the chat. A 20% increase since last spring, according to census data. I mean, 10% of people in the United States are facing food scarcity. A 17% increase since last spring. But corporate media wants to focus on the stolen meat video and talk about how this is a lack of policing and totally taking it out of context. You know, Joe Scarborough on a network that pays him $8 million a year instead of using the opportunity to argue up against a problem in the United States saying that instead Democrats should crack down on petty thefts. And this is an example of Democrats trying to defund the police and the whole thing and that whole argument, which, you know, was a huge mistake for Democrats to go down that rabbit hole to begin with. But well, and anyway. real quick, how can they think that how can they just think that um, with all this inflation that this isn't just going to get worse and worse? There are people like there are people who have jobs, who have decent jobs uh, that aren't going to be able to afford things much anymore like if you're if you're having a commute and paying four dollars a gallon in gas and you're going to get meat and it's like six dollars a pound now instead of three or whatever like your cost of right. living has doubled but your wage hasn't increased at all right exactly yeah and you know and social security we have a cost of living increase for social security does nothing virtually nothing i see so many people here in the chat darlene saying i had to max out my credit cards lena says yes and the rent is no better uh, Nefac says it hasn't been difficult, but it's for sure got way more expensive. My kids left the house. Uh, my kids have left the house. Um, uh, kimchi says, uh, oh my God, their water bill. Um, uh, Lita Westcott says my cola, the cost of living raise was $75, but my rent went up 50 bucks. So yeah. So now rent goes up. Rents are, you know, increasing at a, such a, a fast pace. Uh, there's no way that these wages are keeping up. No, I mean, it, it, you could have, like, if if you were a good employee or employer, you could have said, okay, you know, the the, the um, uh, economy, like the, the um, it's 7%. Uh, what is the, what's the word I'm looking for? The inflation is 7%. Give them a 10% raise. Like, it's not a lot, but at least it can cover the inflation. Right. They're not even covering that. So some people's costs have doubled and there's no, they're getting nothing out of it. So you're going to have people that have jobs that um, have a roof over their head that are still going to have to steal food potentially because th their wages haven't gone up. Like Becky Medved's in our chat says, I worked in a supermarket a while back and saw a guy stealing baby formula. He looked at me and said, please don't tell. Jeez, Louise. Jeez. Unbelievable. Well, we got one more story I want to get to here today, and it's a really, it's a doozy. We're going to get there in a second, but I want to tell you first about our friends over at Scoremaster and how you can increase your credit score right now. Right now, the three-week rule may be the best financial advice ever. What's the three-week rule? Wait three weeks to buy that new car. Wait three weeks to refinance your home mortgage. Wait three weeks to finance any major purchase. Why three weeks? Because that's how fast the average ScoreMaster user takes to boost his or her credit score, an average of 61 points. And listen, 61 points added to your credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars on everything you finance. ScoreMaster technology was developed by credit data scientists to boost your credit score higher and faster than you thought possible. Scoremaster is so easy, it takes about a minute to get started, and you don't have to wait months for your best credit score. Try Scoremaster for free and see how many plus points you can add to your credit score. Go to scoremaster.com slash invest. That's scoremaster.com slash invest. Again, scoremaster.com slash invest. Oh my gosh. My daughter is back. 
one. Sounds like Grover's excited too. Grover's excited, huh? You sound so good. Last time I saw you were laying in a, in a, a flop. How do you feel? Yeah. So uh, if you were joining us late, my daughter was in the hospital for a number of days because of pneumonia. And they just let her out. And I wasn't allowed Yay. to go in the hospital. You're making me choke up, man. <laughs> I'll be right down, okay? Ah. Yay. Well, that hit me. <laughs> yeah. How could it not? Uh. We just had like a soap opera moment right here. Like everybody's everybody's breaking. <sighs> Christ well, let's hurry up and finish this show so you can go be yeah. with her. Um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill this last story out of the show. Um, let's do it. I'm going to go hang out with my daughter. Um, much love to all of you guys. Um, we'll, put, we'll do the show. We'll do this, uh, this story in the show tomorrow. We've got this healthcare story um, about America's healthcare system. And I have some context now, having just watched what my daughter went through at this hospital here in Europe and seeing how amazing she was uh, taken care of and the costs and all of that. So I have some context. We'll provide you with that tomorrow. So uh, much love to all of you. I'm going to go hang out with her. Thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us. And thanks, David, for uh, for uh, plugging along here on the show today. I appreciate of it. Of course. All right. Uh, I'll see you back here tomorrow at 9 a.m. This box will have my wife in it tomorrow over here, Natalie. <laughs> uh, but our daughter is out of the hospital today, and I couldn't be happier about it. So much love to all of you. I'm going to go hang out with her now. All right. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>